and get right into the word of the Lord. Amen. Preach with me this morning. Stand behind the word of God is not my word. Hallelujah. It's the word of the Lord. Turn your Bibles, smartphone, iPad, or look on the wall, the screen, and turn your Bibles to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Again, it's good to see everyone in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm here to help you. Tell somebody the preacher is here to help you. I, I am trying to help you. I am doing my best to help you. So whatever you hear from me today, I'm trying to help. Hallelujah. Amen. James chapter 2, verse 18. We'll read verse 18 through 20. The word of the Lord says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith. Without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devil also believe and tremble. But will thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead. Lord Jesus, just one more time. Will you touch the hearing of the hearers? Touch my lips with a coal from your altar and allow me to speak as your oracle and allow us to receive the word of the Lord into our hearing with faith. I pray that the power of God will do a miraculous and mighty work in this place in each and every person's life right now. God, I want us to feel the power of God. I want us to experience the power of God. What is transpiring in the realm of the Spirit? Will you pull us in, oh God? Will you allow us to experience it? Will you allow us to know it? That, my God, we will cling to it. Bless us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today I want to talk to you on this topic, what kind of faith do you have? What kind of faith do you have? What kind of faith do you have? Faith is a central theme to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Does anyone know that? Say amen with me then. If you know faith, is a Amen. I guess that's the way I got to do it today. All right. It is essential that we know what it is that we possess. We, we, we need, we need to make sure that we possess this faith if we believe that it is essential. All right. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11 verse number six says, but without faith, It's impossible to please God. So is it true that faith is really important? Is it true that faith is a central theme to following Jesus Christ? Do we need faith? Hallelujah. 
faith is important if we're going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of us want to please God this morning? How many of us want to please God this morning? How many of us really want to please God this morning? I want to please God this morning. If we don't please God, we cannot have a relationship with God. How many of you can have a relationship with someone that you and them don't get along? How can you have a healthy relationship with anybody where you never do anything that they like? You only want them to do what you like, but you never do what they like. How would that relationship turn out? I want to please God. And so we should aspire and strive to please God if we want a relationship with God. If we do not have a relationship with God, Tony, we can't spend eternity with God. How many of us parents have told our children, when you can't obey my rules, you got to go. So why should God put up with us? And that's kind of what we want to tell. We, we act like all the time. Well, God understands. And so somehow we want God to put up with our mess, but we don't put up with our children's mess. We must strive to please God. And we can only please God through faith. No faith, you will never be able to please God. If you can't please God, heaven can't be your home. Sounds like faith is serious business to me. Faith is serious business. Tell your neighbor, faith is serious business. Because Hebrew says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. What does impossible mean? It can't happen. It is not possible to please God without faith. Faith is serious business. And so somehow, we got to come to that place where we realize and make sure we have faith. Sometimes we don't really realize it, but we, we, we pick things out of the Bible that kind of work with our personality and we agree with it. And then when we come up against the one, the, the, the teachings of the Bible that don't go with our personality, then we kind of ignore it like it's not in the Bible. Or we try to explain it a different way. But at the end of the day, understand this about God's word. It's not like anything else. And by deceiving yourself, by ignoring the word of God, by acting like it's not what it is, by trying to misinterpret the word of God, all we do is hurt ourselves. See, sometimes we deceive each other. We lie to each other. We, we, we say different things to each other just for our own benefit. And that might not result in anything real bad. But with the word of God, you want to be straight up with it. You want to read something in the Word of God that goes against who you are or go, or go against your character, your nature, and you got to say, I'm busted. I'm not doing that. And I better start working on that. Because 
all of these years, listen, listen to me. Those of us that go to church and don't get it together before Jesus return, hell is going to be worse for us than the ones that just lived it up in the world. Because hell is a place of torment. And when we're in hell and remembering all the days we went to church and all the words that was preaching to our heart and all the messages we listened to and all the things that we encounter from God and we are in hell and we remember that my God, I could have just listened and obey and then we miss out. We will be more tormented and more miserable than the people that just did what they wanted and got to hell. Listen to me. The rich man died and went to hell. The beggar man died and was carried away in the bosom of Abraham. The rich man, when he got to hell, you know what he said? Can you just get me a fingertip of water to cool my tongue? That's an analogy for us to stop and say, a fingertip of water? You just think about the longest fingernail in the world. And all he was saying is, put some water in that fingertip. It must be misery for him just to just give me a little fingertip. I am so tormented. I am so miserable. I just want a fingertip to just cool my tongue. Listen to me. Preaching a lot out of my heart, out of spirit just dealt with me. I understand this. Don't don't ever think I don't understand this. Some of us struggle. Because we just haven't learned enough, haven't put ourselves um, in a place of growth enough in God to, to overcome the challenges that we, uh, that we come against oftentimes in our life. So we're struggling to live for God. We're struggling. But others, we're on cruise control. Hallelujah. Whatever is not growing started dying if I'm just maintaining if I'm just on cruise control if I'm just doing what I've always done I'm really going backwards but if I will every day say God I want to go deeper in you I want to know you in a more intimate way I want to serve you more I want to pray more than I've ever prayed when I go to church I want to worship differently I want to dance in the spirit I want to run the aisle I want to cry out to you God I want to do more because I want to go deeper I want to know you more intimately I have to do that because if I don't, I'm going to find myself compromising. And before you know it, I'm going to start going down, down, down. And so, I just feel like today, we need to take this time and says, God, I can't keep listening. And leaving, listening and leaving, listening and leaving and not make a change, not do something specific. We're going to talk about many things today. Yes, the central theme is faith, but I'm begging you, take something today and say, this I got to hold on to and begin to implement it, incorporate it in my life. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I pray for wisdom for each and every person in this room right now. God, give them wisdom. God, the knowledge that they obtain, they must figure out how to apply it. And sometimes we just don't know how to apply the knowledge. But I pray in the name of Jesus. You said in your word, God, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who will give it. And so, God, I ask you this morning to give wisdom to each and every one of us. That when the knowledge of the word of God comes forth, we can apply it and understand it and live it in Jesus. Jesus name wisdom is how to apply knowledge and so when you hear knowledge when you hear the word of God being preached that's knowledge now you got to pray God give me the wisdom so I know how to let it work in my life that's what we just prayed so faith what is it How can I possess it? It's so serious. It's so important because if I don't have it, if I don't possess it, I can't please God. You can be nice to anybody you want. You can be a really good person, but if you don't have faith, you can't please God. I can treat people good, Tony. I cannot do wrong things. I can take care of my family. I could be a nice guy, nice girl. But if I don't have faith, I can't please God. Now, a lot of us like to say, I got faith. But we're going to examine the scripture today and see if you have faith. And then, if you do, what kind of faith? First Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 1 says, Simon Peter a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have, have obtained, what it says? We're going to do this together today. Like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God. And of Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. According as his divine power had given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through what? The knowledge of him that had called us to glory and virtue. So here is faith. I've said it over and over, but I got to get it in your heart. Faith is having the knowledge of God. Knowing who God is, is faith. Knowing who God is, is faith. And when you know who God is, you will know that he is both deity and humanity. When you know, listen, I never forgot. When God speaks to you, you never will ever forget what he says. So I can count the few times that God gave me a clear word, a clear word like I was hearing from heaven, like zoning on me. And I remember witnessing to a man in the Middle East, Muslim from the Middle East, and I'm witnessing to him. He stuck his head out of a window, was talking to me. And I'm going back and forth with him. And finally, he was trying to tell me, you know, his God is one and his God and we're going back and forth. 
and, and, and the Spirit of the Lord was clear to me. And God says, the difference between the truth and everything else is that God is one. He said that's our separation and we don't realize it. The issue with religion, the issue with philosophy, the issue with theology, with, with, with theology and what kind of Christian are you, Baptist, Methodist, whatever it is. He said the difference is that the truth is I am one. And you have to know that. And not the way some, because a lot of people say he's one. But they don't understand what that means. They just know he's one. But God is one. And you have to know that in order to obtain faith. So a lot of people have been going around saying, I have faith, and don't realize they don't have faith. Because if you believe God is a trinity, then you don't have faith. Amen. Mm. If you think there's three co-equal God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, you don't have faith. Because you don't have the truth of the one true and living God. And that's your separation. Friday night when I was teaching at the prison, somebody said to me, they was listening to Charles Stanley, and he said, blah, 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 blah. I said, listen, those great men, men that speaks on the radio, they, they will teach you great things. But some things they will not be able to teach you truth about because they don't know that God is one. And they got more education than me. But the issue is, until they understand the oneness that God is one, there's going to be scriptures that they're going to come against, and they have to manipulate God's word to make what they think work, because they don't realize that He's one. And until we get that in our spirit and know it, and when you hear and you read through the Bible and, and it reads Jesus and the Lord, you read God and the Lord Jesus, and you don't say... Jesus, God, and the Lord. That's two. Until you can read that and be smiling. Says, I got it. I know what that is. Whenever you read the word of God and you see it says God and the Lord Jesus. What it's really saying is God, take out that word and and replace it with even. Even the Lord Jesus. Amen. They're not separate. But what you got to realize is the reason why you will hear it, and I'll get into the scripture and show you. The reason why it sounds separate sometimes is because God in, he, in his humanity form got to show the difference so we understand how we need to act. Amen. So if he always acted like God, he would have never prayed. If he just came to this world and he was just always like God, he would never pray. But guess what? That would be a bad example to us because we will see this man of God that never prayed. And we'll say, well, I ain't got to pray because he ain't praying and he was God. So when he makes the differentiation in the scriptures as God and the Lord Jesus, what he's trying to really say is, I'm showing you how the humanity of God operate differently from the deity of God. Amen. But we'll get to that. And so, faith is having the knowledge of who God is and having complete trust in Him. Faith is having the knowledge of who God is and having complete trust in Him. When you possess that, you have faith. 
Now, let me help you out because I know somebody just panicked in their heart. Not obeying everything about him don't mean you don't have complete, complete trust in him. You just wanted to be disobedient. Amen. <laughs> okay? So don't, don't panic and say, complete trust? I don't always say, no, you have complete trust. When you know who he is, when you understand who he is, because once you realize the almighty God became man and all the stuff that he has done, he rose himself from the grave and all this stuff, you realize this dude is unstoppable. So you have the knowledge now, right? So you have faith, but, and, and you have complete trust in him. You know that whatever he says is true and it's going to happen, but we just have our days where we just don't want to listen to nobody. Yeah. So, so when you don't listen, it don't mean you don't have faith. It just means you just don't want to listen. Make sense? How do we obtain faith? How do we obtain faith? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith is really important. And we have it when we know who God is, that he's deity and humanity, and we have complete trust in him. But how we obtain faith, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We obtain faith by hearing the word of God over and over and over and over. Because if you listen long enough to the word of God, you will come to the true knowledge of who God is. That's why if a preacher is going to be a real preacher, he got to preach who God is. Oftentimes, so the people that are hearing the word of God will eventually come to the knowledge of who God is. If I'm not telling you who God is, I'm not worth a cent being a preacher. Because we got to let people know who God is, what he's all about, how sovereign he is. We got to know who God is. We got to know who the creator is. We got to know who he is. We can't go around having a figment of our imagination of thinking he's some kind of uh, creature or something that exists, the higher power. Higher power can't save you. God Almighty saves you. God who manifests himself in the man Christ Jesus. That's who saves you. That's faith. That's faith. God who became man. You know him. His name is Jesus. God. He is deity. And Jesus Christ. He is humanity. When you know that and says I know it. I trust it. And I have complete trust in that God. You have obtained faith. Give God some praise in this house. So you will, you will get it if you keep hearing. And so if you come to Christ Center Church often enough, you will hear and you will obtain faith. So let's go back to James and break down what we were looking at in James chapter 2 verse 8. You will notice that there was a Rational argument being posed about faith. When you look at 2.18. There's James is writing it, but he's posing a, a, a rational argument to try to show what's going on. And so look at it. Yea, a man say, thou has faith. And I have works. They're separating the two. Show me thy faith. Without thy works, comma. And I will show thee my faith by my works. So one side of the argument 
that's posed is that one had faith, the other had works, but not faith. James' side of the argument is, show me your faith since you say you have faith. I got the puzzled look on your face. I got you. Can somebody show me faith? Show it to me right now. I just told you what it is. Show me. Take it out of your pocket. Get it out of your pocketbook. Show me faith. The knowledge of who God is, both deity and humanity, and have complete trust. Show me that right now. You can't. Faith is not something you can take out and show. Faith is not something that you can show somebody. So the question is, how do you know you have faith? (laughs) Walk around. Oh, I have faith. Oh, really? When you have faith, you don't have to tell nobody. Oh, I got faith. Oh, really? How will I know you have faith? Faith is not visible. One cannot see faith. You can't take it out of your pocketbook. You can't get it out of your pocket. We can declare we have faith, but we can't see it. So James is saying, show me your faith since you have it. James knew no one can show their faith except by their works. So, I have faith, but I'm just going to watch T.D. Jakes this Sunday. I have faith. But I'm just going to sleep through the day this Sunday. I have faith, but I'm just not going to pray. I have faith. Ah, I read my Bible probably later on. Later on never came. I have faith. But nothing follows. My question is, do you have faith? Do you have faith? Listen. Let's talk. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know why, I'm, why I talk like I'm old. I know I'm not old. But I find myself talking like I'm old. And that's kind of, it's like this conundrum in me. Like, why am I talking old? But I know I'm not old. But what happened the past 15 years? What happened to God's people while we became so lax? What happened to God, people, why we just became just not as committed? What happened to God's people where other things seemed so much more important? What happened? I was here 15 years ago. It wasn't like this. I don't know what happened the past 15 years. I know Facebook happened, but I'm saying, how important was Jesus from the outset? All right, y'all going to make me do Bible study that we did Thursday because y'all wasn't here Thursday. So let me give you a piece of Thursday real quick. This is what I told him. I was, I I had a little issue with, and I'm trying to figure it out, and the Lord's going to have to help me. Elijah, which we know is a great prophet. 
did eight recorded miracles in the Bible. Elijah, great man. But Elijah one day realized that, I don't know if he realized he needed a successor or he realized that he just needed somebody to help. He went up to a guy that was working with his dad on the farmland. His name was Elisha. He said, come and follow me. So all we read. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he put his mantle on Elisha's shoulder and says, come on. Elisha was working on his dad's farm. If you had a farm back then, you was doing all right. And Elisha just got up and just started going with him. Left dad and everything. And all Elisha was doing while he was rolling with Elijah was serving Elijah. I said, if we would say, see that in this day and age, we would say, he ain't serving God. He's serving a man. Because that's all he was doing, Tony. He was following behind Elijah the prophet. What do you need? What do you need? Oh, I'll take care of that. Oh, you're going to wash your hands? You just keep, you just rub them together. I'll pour the water on it. I'll mow your lawn for you. i carry your bags for you. That's where the old preachers got all that stuff. Oh, you know, I'll wash your car for you. And he did all of that. Took care of Elijah. The Bible says, Elisha was Elijah's successor. I don't believe Elisha knew he was going to be the successor to Elijah. And it goes as followed. Elijah, which we know was this great prophet, did eight miracles. Elisha, his successor, did 16 miracles. And what he was doing was following. Old time people in Jamaica said, pee, pee, cluck, cluck, pee, pee, cluck, cluck, pee, pee, cluck, cluck, walking behind. What do you need, master? If we would have saw that, we would have said, he's serving a man, he ain't serving God. But what I learned from it is, and what I've, what I've discovered over the years, this is, this is why I'm telling you this. Because there are some of us that seem to have been sold out, as we like to say, to God back in the day. We was running behind the church. We was running behind the pastor. And we seemed like we were sold out. But as the time went by, we realized some fell off. Because some was only doing it for one reason, not for God. Elisha was washing the prophet's hand for God. Elisha was vacuuming his house. I don't know, sweeping his house. Whatever he did for the prophet Elijah, it looked like he was doing it for Elijah. It looked that way with the naked eye. But deep down in his heart, faith was operating and he showed his faith in the works of what he was doing for Elijah. And that's why he became the successor and did double, double what the prophet Elijah did. And you want me to show you why I know that's true? Because when Elisha became the prophet of God, there's a guy that was supposed to be his servant that he brought along, his name was Gehazi. And so Elisha kind of did it a little differently from his master, Elijah. He exposed Gehazi a little bit more. He trained Gehazi. He trained him. So he was training him. Let me show you this and let me show you that. Elisha didn't get training like that. Elisha got training with nothing being told to him. All he did was 
We need master water. We need no training. I would say no training. This day and age, we would say no training. All he did was follow the man. And he became greater than the man he followed. His servant, he figured he wanted to do it a little bit more new school. He figured he wanted to show him a little bit different because he wanted to make sure he get trained properly. And he invested in Gehazi. And Gehazi's heart wasn't right. Because Gehazi took something from Naaman, who Elisha was able to help get healed because he had leprosy. And when Naaman tried to pay Elisha for what Elisha told him to do to get healed, Elisha said, I don't need anything. I'm good. Gehazi tiptoe. Hey, uh, Naaman, my master changed his mind. The stuff that you promised, he said, yeah, he'll take it because he's got two sons that he needs to help out. Elisha didn't say anything. He made that up. Naaman gave him all the stuff, and he took it for himself. His heart wasn't right. He was following and trying to be this servant and try to be this whatever he was trying to be because he wanted publicity. He wanted to be noticed. He wanted to say, look at me, I'm the next successor. And God wouldn't allow it. Matter of fact, Gehazi didn't have no anointing and was filled with leprosy eventually. And I stopped and I said, God, I said, I don't understand. We're trying to get new school. We're trying to teach people a little differently. We're trying to educate them a little differently. But the old way of just following and shut your mouth and say nothing and just go serve the man, that seemed to work out better. What do I do? Because we're in 2017. And nobody want to hear about wax on, wax off. They want to know they're being trained. They want to know that you're setting them up right. They want to know they're being acknowledged. And me trying to tell you, just come on. Where are we going? Don't worry about it. Just come on. That ain't going to work right now. So, it's just something, food for thought. The moral of the story is, have faith in God. And what you're doing, it doesn't matter what anybody thinks. I'm sure, and I said this Thursday, I'm sure to the naked eye, I was serving a man rather than God at some point in time in my walk with Christ. I'm sure people said that. I'm sure people said, he just up the pastor's butt. I'm sure people said, man, everything he does is pastor to pastor. Is he living for God for himself or is he just doing everything for the pastor? I ain't Elisha, but my heart was with God. All the whole time where I'm doing. All the whole time where I'm running behind the past. What you need? You okay? I'll take care of this. You just rest. You just relax. I was serving the man. But I was serving them with faith, with my eyes on Jesus Christ. That's what I was doing. And that's what we got to get a hold of. That I will serve anybody. I will serve anybody. I just got my eyes on God. And while you're thinking that I'm serving people, you might be making a mistake. Because you don't know. I got faith. (laughs) Faith. 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 How do we know you got faith? How do we know? Which brings us to the point that says, 
Verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. So, Tony, the Bible says the devil also believed there's one God. We're in bad shape if we don't believe there's one God. Because your adversary, the one that's trying to destroy you, he already know that. See, in order to win the war, you have to know who your enemy is. And the devil is our enemy. Our flesh and the devil is our enemies. Those are two enemies, not people. Oh, y'all think it's people too. No, the devil and your flesh is your enemy. Not the person sitting next to you, behind you, in front of you. It's the devil and your flesh that's your enemy. We get ourselves in so many troubles, Brother Scarlett, because of how we are. And then we keep on looking like somebody did something wrong, Tony. Nobody didn't do anything wrong. Face the fact that you got some issues. And because of your issues and you're not allowing faith to operate, it's causing problems in your life. And then you're blaming somebody else. Every issue that comes up in your life, just look to the devil and look to your flesh. Forget about people. Because they got their own issues too. Hurt people. I love it. So if we know that, how are people our enemy? When they just try to survive, they're, they're trying their best to survive because they're walking around wounded and hurt. They're walking around wounded and hurt, trying to figure out how to get their room binded up, trying to get their hurt released and trying to be a good Christian and trying to live right. How are they your enemy? No, they're just hurt and their hurt caused them to act out a certain way. And we want to blame them. No, no, it's not them. It's you, your issues internally, and the devil. Those are the two adversaries you have. The devil and your flesh, not people. People don't want to do you wrong. People ain't trying to hurt you. People are just hurt themselves, and sometimes they just express it, and it offends you. It's okay. This is part of life. You have had issues. Situations where you were hurt and you hurt somebody. You didn't mean to hurt them, but you was just acting out your hurt. Yes. Somebody say amen. amen. Just acting out your hurt. I see it all the time with the two young ones. Something happened and somebody snatched something and before you know it, they pushing and shoving and arguing back and forth. But because one snatched something, the other one is like, oh, you're not going to snatch something from me. They're responding now and they're hurt. So we do. So my, my, my brothers, my sisters, we're not each other's enemy. We don't do wrong to each other deliberately. It's just what we're dealing with that we act out. The real issue is our flesh, our situations, what we have learned and gone through in our life. That's what's wrong in our life. But that's why we come to Jesus. That's why we come to church. That's why we need faith. That's why we serve God. Because we got too many issues that we need worked out. That's what we need to do is bring those things to God. Let Him work them out. 
So, if you believe in one God, you and the devil are doing all right. <laughs> it's one God, Tony. Now, let me show you real quick. You probably want to write down some of these scriptures if you can. But let me show you how God is deity and humanity at the same time. And he's still God. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. I'll be done in 10 minutes. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. Look what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So, Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. God is saying, I'm one. Israel, I'm one. This is why, uh, oh God. This is why over in the Middle East, they got a little issue with religion in the West. Because when they hear about this, this Trinity business, they're like, what in the world is wrong with them? Because the Jews know there is only one God. The Muslims, even though they're wrong, they also know it's one God and the one God they claim is God. Mm, that's another story. But I'm just saying, they know there's only one God. And so when you're supposed to be a godly person, you're talking about, oh, the Trinity. They're like, get out of here. We was in the original land, hearing the original word, that God is one. Where are you getting three gods from? Three and one. You look silly when you go talk to those people. So we know God is one. But we got it a little crossed up because some other scriptures come along and we're like, I don't understand. All right. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 10 says this. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen. That ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed. Neither shall there be after me. Now that's big. Stop right there, Tony. God said it. He says before me there was no God. After me there was be no other God. Now this is Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. We're looking at probably over 4,000 years ago. He said that. All right, let's move along. 11 says, I, even I, am the Lord. And besides me, there is no Savior. He got a little deep. And you'll see. Not only did he says, no God before me, no God after me, but I'm the only Savior. God said it in the book of Isaiah. Okay. Verse 12. I have declared and have saved and I have showed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Luke chapter 2. Now it gets a little tight. Look at what Luke chapter 2 says. For unto you is born this day. Born. Born. Born, not existed, not fall out of the sky. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. A what? Whoa! We just read Isaiah where God says he's the only Savior. Let's stop right there and I'll figure that one out. I want you to tell me if you got it. 
I need you to tell me if, if, if the Bible is wrong and you just need to get up and go home. Because the Bible ain't no good. Because Isaiah, in Isaiah, Almighty God says, I am the only Savior. Now we come all the way in Luke 2,000 years later. Jesus is born and he's called the Savior. Hold on. What's going on right there? The bottom line is, Jesus is Almighty God. It's the same one talking. It's the same one working. But he worked invisibly in the Old Testament and he came 2,000 years to work visibly. <laughs> oh God. These are things we need to know. We can't make mistakes of that. Because here is the secret. Tony, when you understand these things, you just want to roll over and roll around in your clothes and say, I know him. I know him. Because he is, there is nobody like him. Nothing in this world is powerful like God. Nothing in this world can compare to who God is. And when you come to the knowledge of who he is, then you realize it ain't nothing I won't do for him. It ain't nothing I won't trust him with. It ain't nothing I won't put my life to it. Concerning him, when he can do the stuff he's doing, when he can say the stuff he's saying. John chapter 10, verse 30 says this I and my father are one. Yeah, some people get that twisted. Okay. I heard people say when they were explaining that, well, you know, father and son, they kind of like the same. Erroneous, because your son got a different DNA from you. His DNA is not all you. So you can't say, me and my child is the, is, is the same. But people say that. But let's read on. Then the Jews took up stones to, to stone again. Then the Jews took up, up stones again to stone him. Why they want to stone him? If he says, I and the Father are one, why are they going to stone him? Remember in Deuteronomy... They knew. And this guy that came on the scene that was born this day in the city of David is talking about I and the father are one. They said, man, let's get this joker out of here. He's crazy. Verse 32. Jesus answered them, many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works do you stone me? So Jesus says, all right, you saw me doing the works that God did. Tell me why you're stoning me when I said I and the Father are one. 33, look at it, Tony. The Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stone thee not. We didn't stone you when you was doing all those good things. But for blasphemy. <laughs> and because that thou being a man. What else do you want? What else we want? The Jews who knew that there's only one God. They said, when you were doing all those miracles, we left you alone because we realized you were doing the miracle of God. But when you say you and the Father is one, we're stoning you because you're saying that you're God. They knew that there's only one God. And the way he was communicating, he made himself God. Jesus Christ is the Almighty God visible in the flesh. Let me give you the last one. If you wrote all these down, you'll be fully educated and understand who God is, and you will obtain faith. And without controversy, 1 Timothy 3.16, 
take our time and without controversy. Everybody know what controversy is? Chaos. Bring it down to chaos. So without chaos, great is the mystery of, of godliness. Okay? So it's saying there's a mystery sometimes about godliness. Godliness is not humanness. Godliness is godliness. It's not humanness. God was manifest in the flesh. It, it, it means that God was seen in the flesh. How else was God going to be seen in the flesh? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. That's how he was able to be shown, revealed in the flesh. And so God was manifest in the flesh. Justified in the Spirit. Capital S. It means that he was still the Almighty God. He still occupied the same authority and throne. He was justified in the Spirit even though he was in the flesh. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. Who preached unto the Gentiles? Tell me how God preached unto the Gentiles. Does anybody know how God preached to the Gentiles? Because God, God can't stay on the throne in heaven un, invisibly and preach to us. Not unless he's going to preach to us like he did the Apostle Paul. That's the only person he preached to. And Paul wasn't a Gentile. Oh, God. There. He preached. So with Jesus that preached. The Almighty God didn't stay in heaven and echoed his voice and we just kept hearing so for people that are waiting for God to come out of heaven to get them saved before they get saved, they're going to keep waiting and it's going to be too late for them because God ain't never used, he ain't never spoke out of heaven for us to get saved without another man. Another human had to get involved. Humans have to get involved for people to be saved. Humans have to get involved. You can't get saved staying home. That ain't possible. You show me somebody that got saved where another human wasn't involved. You can only get saved if a human get involved. So, the devils, they know there's one God. I hope this morning you all know there's only one God. There's only one God. He made himself visible, being born of the Virgin Mary, that he may die for us, for our sins. Remember, spirit can't die. So it means if he would have stayed spirit and never manifest himself in man, we couldn't be saved. Man, I can go on and on with this stuff. Thank you, God. Let's thank him. Thank you, Lord, for the revelation. I don't know if sometimes we understand that we are a privileged people, that we have understood, we have received the knowledge of the revelation of who God really truly is. So many people are struggling trying to figure out who God is, and we know who he is. Lord, I, I praise you. I praise you. We said faith is having the knowledge of God, who he is, and then having complete trust in him. But that's not enough. It's not enough. Having the knowledge is not enough. Having faith alone, which is the same thing, not enough. We have heard people that say, 
Just have faith. How many times you've heard people say, just have faith? How many times you've had people say, just believe? That's not enough. This is why so many people are lost. Because they want to think this thing is just that. Just believe. Just have faith. Having faith alone. Here we go. Having faith alone is intellectual faith. Having faith alone, Tony, is professing faith. So many of us have intellectual faith, professing faith, but we don't have the real faith that will save. Yes, it's quiet now. Because now the word is coming at you because just saying I believe, just saying I have faith is not enough and it won't save you. Mm. Now you're finding out where the problem is in our life. We've been professing that we have faith. We've been professing that we know Jesus. We've been professing that we believe. We've been professing it. It's in our mind. It's intellectual. Mm -hmm. However, intellectual faith can't save you, Brother Fox. Professing faith cannot save us. Intellectual faith will not allow you to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because intellectual faith, Rayon, it just stays in your mind. Professing faith, you just speak it. But it does nothing because it's right here and it's just words. We're speaking words and we're holding on to thoughts and knowledge of who God is. But it's doing nothing and we're getting frustrated because we feel like nothing is happening for us. But it's because of intellectual faith. It's because of professing faith and not the faith that will save. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, I know that God is one. Yeah, I trust him completely. And you're wondering why you're still stuck on stuck. Intellectual faith does not produce godly change in our life. That's another area we're struggling because we can't seem to find transformation and deliverance in our life. But we're saying, what is wrong? Because you've got intellectual or professing faith and not the faith that saves. The scripture says, the devils also believe and tremble. Even the devils got faith. Even the devils got faith. Because we said faith without works is dead. Your faith must have some works behind it. And that's the only way the faith will work. If you have faith with no works, then you really just have intellectual or professing faith. But it's not until you put work behind your faith, then you will have what we call living faith. And that's the kind of faith we need is living faith, not intellectual faith. The devils believe and tremble. The very least we should be doing in church when we come, tremble. Which means nobody should stay still in the church. Shudder. We should be just shaking. Shaking. 
Because I can't let no devil outdo me. And the devil will outdo you if they could do more than just shudder. Because that's what tremble means. They shuddered. The problem is devils. Listen to this. The devil don't like this. Devils, right? Here is their situation. Devils know they have no hope in Christ. If you don't have no hope, all you're going to do is fear and tremble. Devils know they cannot be saved. If you know you can't be saved, you're miserable, so you're trembling. Devils know they don't have access to God unless he says, all right, come here, I need to talk to you. Devils know they will be cast in the lake of fire one day and be tormented for eternity. Devils know there is no hope for them. And even them still respond in faith. That's heavy. That's heavy that demons, they know what's going to happen to them and they still got to respond to God. I think it's Matthew 8. 29 where Jesus came on the scene and the demon says Jesus have you come to torment us before our time something like that the demons when they see him they respond to him they have no hope nothing going on and they respond to God what are we doing what are we doing We the people who have hope in God. What are we doing? Come on somebody, help me now. If we have hope in God, what should we be doing? If we know we have the opportunity to be saved, what should we be doing? If we know that he died on the cross for us, what should we be doing? If we know we are the apple of his eyes, what should we be doing? If we know how much he loves us, what should we We do. Stand with me to your feet. The devils have no hope. The devils are in trouble. And they have demonstrated living faith. Not intellectual faith. And so today I'm asking you. Will you begin to demonstrate living faith? If I say I have faith, what should I be doing? If I say that I have faith, how should I live my life? That's why we call it living faith. Because we're saying, God, I have faith. I know who you are. And faith, hear me, is a lifestyle thing. Faith is not a come in the building thing. Unfortunately, we seem to Try to demonstrate faith when we come inside the four walls. Faith is a lifestyle. It's a living thing. Remember I told you, Elisha, and even in my own little way of serving the Lord, I served the man. But I was serving God in how I served the man. The man never inconvenienced me. As I mentioned before, when I sat on my couch on some days on a Monday evening or Tuesday evening or Friday evening and the first lady called me and says, Brother Wayne, I said, first lady, my husband got to go preach in New York. I know he's a little tired. 
Say no more. He lived about 20, 25 minutes from here. And I would just, ah! out of the parking lot, my parking space. Drove all the way to Chesterfield. Park my car, get in his car. He go in the back and go to sleep. And I'm kicking, kicking it down the turnpike. I don't talk to him. I don't have nothing to say to him. He tired. Sometimes he back there praying. Because he's getting ready to go preach. I don't talk to him. I don't use the time for my own good. I'm serving. Some people get around the pastor to talk his ear off. I don't do that. Brother, I got it. I get around. I only talk to the pastor most of the time when I'm around him when he starts talking to me. I don't talk to him. Because I realize he's got a great responsibility. I realize that he's trying to do a work for God and preach to people and minister to their heart. And he needs to be connected. So I'm driving. I'm still driving fast. Driving the pastor. Driving 90 miles an hour. That Lexus was cruising. I'm going down 95. Hitting 90. Mm, mm, mm. Get to New York. But I don't talk to him. Because... I'm telling you that because it was faith operating. It wasn't me trying to say, look what I'm doing for the pastor. It was faith operating. Because faith to me is, whatever I do, I'm doing it unto the Lord. I am not doing it to impress nobody. I'm doing it because Jesus called me to that job. Because Jesus is my God. Because I know who Jesus is. I have complete trust in God. And while some people thought, oh, the man of God could be taking advantage of you. I just, I just said, ah, you you don't understand. Because God knew what was going on. I knew I was operating faith. But other people look and say, man, you get treated bad sometimes, bro. I ain't paying them no mind. I don't know what kind of servants we have these days for God. Can we do those things anymore? I don't know where that, ha- where that went. I don't know what's happening. But I pray to God we will get people like that back in the church that just want to serve God. It has nothing to do with anything. Because here is the story. God's got a great big plan for all of us, Tony. All of us, God has brought into this world to do specific things, special things. God wants to do great things in all of our lives. But there's a training ground. And we don't know what the training ground look like. All we know is train me, Jesus. Wax on, wax off. I don't know what it looked like. But the good news is, I am here today to tell you the experience of how it worked. That's what I'm here to tell you. Because I've experienced it so I can tell you how it worked. That, guess what? God never allows you to see what you're doing. He just, he just wants you to serve and serve and serve. And it's, it's not till years and years after that you look back and say, my God, okay, I got it now. But if you try to figure out what's going on, why are you doing it? You ain't ready. Oh, God is calling me to do this. God, I don't need to know what God has called me to do. That's God's business. I'm serious. I've always looked at it like that. God, I don't have no time to think about what you're calling me to do. What's the sense? I don't need to know it because what happens sometimes is when you know it and stuff. Listen, that's biblical. When he called Abraham, he says, come. He didn't tell. Abraham didn't know where he was going. When you don't know where you're going, you don't ask no questions because you don't know. Amen. But if God starts telling us things everywhere, okay, what's next? 
And God wants us to walk in living faith. And faith means you have complete trust in God because you know who he is. And where he's taking you, you don't know it, but you don't care. You have so much trust in him that you know whatever he's doing on your behalf is just good. It's right. It's a blessing. And it don't matter how it works, how I get there. I don't care. I trust him. I will jump off the building when he's at the bottom saying, jump. I don't need to get no explanation. I already know who he is. And if he died for me, and he calls me the apple of his eye and all these things, why am I worried about anything? I'm not worried about a thing. I just do what he says. And when I don't like it, I said, man, God, I don't like this, but you ain't never failed me yet. You never let me down. You've always had my best intention at hand, so I'm not even worried about it. I talked to you today about living faith because some of us have intellectual faith. Some of us have professing faith. And here's an opportunity today to search your heart. And if that's all you had was professing faith and living faith and, 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 and intellectual faith, you have the opportunity now to obtain living faith. And what that means is, if I say I know him, and if I say I have complete trust in him I need to start responding I need to start doing I need to put some works behind what I say I have it's time to put some works behind your faith the Bible says in Mark the scripture says signs and wonders shall follow them that have faith Follow them that believe. Signs and wonders. We always pray God. I know I pray God. Let signs and wonders. And really and truly, I shouldn't even be praying that prayer. All I got to do is just show my works in the faith that I have. And the signs and wonders don't have a choice but to follow me. That's all we got to do. You want something to happen in your life? Start showing faith through the works that you do. Anything you ask the Father in His name, He will give it to you. But you got to ask in faith. Because if it's not being done in faith, you can't please God. Huh. Let's take a few moments. If you can, come to the altar and talk to the Lord. Just five minutes. We're going to come. Come to the altar and talk to the Lord. You're going to ask Him today for living faith. You have to get beyond professing faith. You have to get beyond intellectual faith. We got to stop saying things and professing things, but no works behind what we say we have. Uh, uh. Somebody let this word begin to saturate in your heart. Somebody, huh, let God do what he wants to do in your life. Somebody, we can't any longer just go through the motions and, and intellectually say, I believe God, and just intellectually just profess what we know about God, but no works, no action, no action, no action. If you have faith, 
we got to put some works behind it and the works will prove that we have faith. We can't just have professing faith. We can't just have intellectual faith. We have to have living faith. Where today we will put works behind our faith and God will give the increase and God will perform the miraculous work that should come about when we exercise our faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, pray with me. Come on, talk to the Lord, somebody. Talk to Jesus. Jesus is the one that wants to help you today. You can't be saved if you don't begin to put some works into what you believe. You can't make it if you don't begin to do some work. In what you say, you believe, Father, touch you in the name of Jesus. Come on. God push a little harder. God wants you to give a little bit more. He says, put the works behind it. Ah, with no works, the devil try to prevent you from being what God calls you to be. But God said, when you put the works into your faith, then the devil becomes a liar. The devil is defeated. But you have to put the works in your faith. Father, in the name of Jesus. Touch her in the name of Jesus. 